0: saints. Welcome to another episode of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Camilla D. I am your host Dr. Camilla D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Today's message is part 2 of how does God chastens his children? The sequel to how Christians can move away from suffering. The misconception over the years how God chastens his children plays a huge part in why Christians assume God is punishing them. So they think it's okay for them to suffer. We proved that assumption to be incorrect during part one of this series. So sit back and let's continue to blow that misconception right out of the water with the word of God. All right, Saints, let's delve into part two of this very important message entitled... How does God chastens his children? Now, we're going to talk a little bit about temptations, trials, and tests. Now, we read in part one in Hebrews 12 and 7 that we have a choice as to whether or not we endure chastening. We concluded from, from this that sickness, illness, and calamity could not be God's way of chastening us because we have no way or no choice when those things come upon us as to whether or not we wish to endure them. The same could be said for temptations, trials, and tests. Some people over the years have claimed through the years that God uses temptations and trials to train us. However, Jesus tells us this in Matthews 26 and 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, if God uses temptations, trials, and tests to teach us or make us better, then something is seriously wrong here. Jesus is telling us to pray that we do not enter into temptation. If God sends temptations for us to enter into, because it is only as you enter into it that you are going to learn a lesson from it, then tells us to watch and pray that we do not enter into temptation, he is fighting against himself. And we are dealing with a crazy God. No, we're not dealing with a crazy God. We're dealing with crazy false teachers. Yes, yes, sisters and brothers. Now, if you do not enter in, how are you going to get the benefit of the lesson you would have received by entering into it? Tell me that. Let's look again at, at 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Let's look at that again. We've been looking at that throughout this entire series. Now, notice it does not say um, common to Christians. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. It does not say common to Christians. It says common to man. These things come on everyone, saved or unsaved. What is God trying to teach the sinner? Nothing. Sinners are spiritually dead. In other words, cut off from God. You cannot teach the dead. The dead must become alive spiritually in order for us to teach them. Now, let's look at it again because this is a very important scripture. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Not common to Christians, but common to man. In other words, this kind of stuff happens to everyone. Christians are not the only ones who get sick. They are not the only ones who become impoverished. They are not the only ones who have automobile accidents or who've been robbed. Those kinds of things happen to everyone. So it could not be God's way of teaching his children. Now let's read the rest of of, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, escape means to get away from. That sounds very similar to what Jesus told us in Matthew twenty-six forty-one. If God sent calamities against you, he would want you to learn something from them, right? If he made a way of escape, you would escape not only from the temptation, trial, or test being placed before you, but from the lesson God was trying to teach you as well. Now, do y'all hear how this sound? Now, do y'all hear it? So in your minds, some of you, you're thinking that God is battling himself, but using you to do it. Mm -mm. We don't serve that kind of God, people. Now, as I pointed out earlier, God teaches us by his word. He does not want you to go through temptations, trials and tests and then be destroyed by the temptations, trials and tests. Okay, those things come because the enemy brings them to destroy us. God brings us the way of escape so we can get out of those things. If you are obedient to the word of God, there is always a way for you to escape the temptation, trial or test when Satan sends it your way. Now, God does not teach you through circumstances. You can learn through circumstances. And maybe you did learn some things because your head was hard and your behind was soft. But that was because it was the only way you would learn. You would not listen to anyone. You wouldn't listen to the pastor. You wouldn't listen to your mother. You wouldn't listen to your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend. So you learn the hard way. Experience is definitely a teacher, but it is not the best teacher. Okay, saints. Now, let us say you see someone working in, in some sort of factory. And that person gets too close to a machine and gets his finger cut off. Now, I would wager that the person who gets his finger cut off finds out that by getting too close to the machine, you can lose a limb. But that is not the best way for that person to learn. The best way for that person to learn is by obeying the sign which says, stay behind the red warning line. Now, you can definitely learn some things by experience, but experience is not the best way. The best way to learn is by obeying God. Okay? If you obey God, there are many experiences you can avoid because some of those experiences can kill you. Now, we read in 2 Timothy 3.16 earlier, but there is something in this verse which we we did not mention before, which bears directly on what we are discussing now, okay? Now, let's read it again, and I'll point it out. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for construction in righteousness. Now, scripture is a synonym for the Bible, okay? The word of God, this verse says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. Now, profitable means that it gives you some sort of benefit or gain. That is, it, it, that it is advantageous, if you will, for you to have. Now, in short, you should be better for having received it, right? Hebrews 12, 9 and 10 adds this. Furthermore we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more really i mean readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chasing us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness <coughs> excuse me think about this the first part of verse 10 says that our parents chastened us as seemed best to them. However, this same verse says the reason God chastens us is for our profit. In other words, so that we will be better. Okay? Now, no person is exonerated from temptations, trials, or tests. However, the one who is tempting, trying, and testing you is Satan not God. Satan has one basic purpose in his mind for tempting, trying, and testing you. He does not want you to learn from God's word. He doesn't want you to live the God kind of life. He knows that if you find that out, you will run from him and he will no longer be able to dominate you. Okay. Let that sink in. Satan brings trials, temptations, and tests upon you to steal the word. Once he steals the word, you have no way to be chasing. And you will have no way to spiritually grow and mature. Now, in the process of doing this, the devil will blow your brains out. And take your money, your family, and everything else he can get his hands on. Now, if he can get away with it, oh my Lord, if he can get away with it, Oh, he is jumping for joy, but his main purpose for coming is to separate you from the word of God. You got to get this saints. You have to get this. If you don't get nothing else, you have to get it is Satan stealing the word of God from you. Now, according to second Timothy three 16, let's look at it again. You profit by all scripture, which is given by inspiration of God. Now by all scripture. The devil gets away with the things that that would profit you. Now, this is what Jesus was getting at when he told the disciples the parable of the sore. This is very important. So I want you all to listen to this because see, a lot of churches don't teach this, too, because they don't get it. They don't get it because this scripture will help you prosper, help you grow in faith and walk in grace, help you get out of that mindset that it's okay for you to suffer. No, it's not. Now go to Mark chapter four, verses 14 and 15. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, Satan does not wait until next week to come and take away the word. He comes immediately, okay? This is what Mark says. Now let's read Mark uh, four sixteen and 17 in, in its entirety. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Oh my God. My Lord, my Lord, Satan persecutes and tries to afflict you for the word's sake. He does not come to persecute you through some strange person you do not know. He comes through relatives, friends, sometimes even your wife or your child, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, false prophet in the church. That is what makes persecution hurt. If you allow it to. Yes, if you allow it to now, but you must do what Jesus said, father, forgive them. That is what I do all the time, all the time. Now I know it is not, uh, uh, the person themselves, but the devil, the person who talks about me does not really even know me. If he really understood what he was doing, he would not say anything. You know, therefore, I just stay, you know, stay sweet and say, Father, forgive them. You know, he does not know what he is doing because I am not going to let Satan steal my profit or my joy. Not me. I will. I don't. I won't do it. And the reason I'm teaching you is so you won't do it either. So let's look at Mark 18 and 19, Mark 4, 18 and 19. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, you are not the one who becomes unfruitful, unfruitful. I'm sorry. It is the word that becomes unfruitful. Mark 4 and 20 says this, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accepted and bear fruit some 30 fold, some 60 fold, and some a hundred. Now, this is why you have to keep in mind the disparity between individuals. The word is the same. Therefore, conceivably, that word should produce the same amount of harvest in the same amount of ground for everyone. But some people being, being only 30, 30 some, Bring sixty, and and others bring a hundredfold. Mhm, mm-hmm. Some people only bring thirty, some bring sixty, and others bring a hundredfold. Why is there a disparity? Hm. Why is there a disparity? It, it why? The ideal harvest would be a hundred. However, because of the difference in people in their levels of commitment dedication, love, and desire. Some bring 30 and some bring 60. The important thing is that at least they bring in the amount, they bring in the amount that they do because the word was sown in their hearts. Okay? Are you not accepting or receiving all the word of God? You got to get work your way up to that hundredfold, my sisters and brothers. Now, the word does not work by itself. It does not matter how much word you hear. It will not do you any personal good, nor will it have a positive effect on your life unless you act upon it. There's a difference between 30, 60, and 100. But that difference is because you, not it's because of you, not because of the word. The word will produce a 100 in every plot of ground, every life it touches, if allowed to. The catch is, you have to be willing for it to do that if you want it to manifest a hundredfold in your life. Another very important benefit of the word is stated in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 28. Trot on over there. Trot. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now God cleanses us, With the washing of the word. I'm sorry. With the washing of the water by the word. Okay. Now if you will listen to the word. You will not have to learn through the circumstances. Satan will not have. A way to get to you. He will not be able to put. Any temptation trial or test. On you. That will affect you. Because you will be able to say. I already know. I know what God said. I don't need to go through some foolishness that will keep me from attaining God's best. Uh-uh. I already know the deal. Now a second scripture, which refers to the cleansing, uh, power of the word is John. It's in John 15, John 15, trot on over there as well. John 15 chapter one, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verses one through three. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Woo, my Lord, that went through my spirit. Praise God, that was the Lord Jesus Christ talking. This is the same, same thing Paul writes about in Ephesians. God uses his word to cleanse us if we submit to it. Okay. Now, once we submit to the Lord, sometimes the training can be hard. If you think back to your childhood, you may remember times when it seemed like your parents were trying to kill you because the training they gave you was that rigid. Oh, yes. (laughs) I remember. I'm going to keep my mouth closed. Both of my parents are no longer with us and they don't, have an opportunity to defend themselves. But I loved both of them dearly. However, if you can look back on it now and see that it was for, for your benefit, as Hebrews 12, 11 puts it. Let's look at Hebrews 12, 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, if it were trials, tribulations, and tests that chastened us, they would have the net result of making us righteous. Hmm? Hmm? But those things do not make you righteous. They make you hurt. Also, keep this in mind. What part of your threefold nature is affected by temptations, trials, and tests, sickness, disease, and poverty? It is your body. Of course, your soul or your mind can also be affected, okay? Because you have to think about the problems. But basically, tests and trials hit your body. Notice what Hebrews twelve nine tells us. Look, look at Hebrews 12 and 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in, in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Now, many Christians do not understand this verse. They don't. The first part of it says, furthermore. Now, we have had human fathers. Okay? Right away, the word human should alert us to the fact that God is going to show us a contrast between human and something else. Otherwise, you will not have to say human. What else would an earthly father be but human? okay what else so god said this for a reason the contrast comes in the latter part of the verse when paul calls god the father of spirits now the reason god is the father of spirits is because we are spirits god could not be called the father of flesh of our flesh because we are not flesh in the sense of god by the way He could not be the father of our souls because we are not souls. God is the father of spirits. Jesus came to redeem spirits. Now, when our spirits are redeemed, our bodies get to tag along for the ride. Okay. Jesus says this in John 4, 24. Listen, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, God is a spirit. And we are his children. If God is a spirit and we are his kids, we must also be spirits. A a black man and a black woman coming together cannot produce a white baby. Okay? Now, two white people cannot come together and have an Asian child. Two Asians cannot come together and produce a Native American child. My point is this. If God is our father, we have to be whatever he is. Okay, since sickness, disease, trials and tests affects your flesh. How can God use these these things to train you when you are not flesh, but a spirit? Now, cancer does not affect your spirit. Heart attacks do not affect your spirit. Tuberculosis does not affect your spirit, not even AIDS or its complications affect your spirit. Therefore, God could not be the one using these things to train you. Because you are a spirit and nothing that God would do to your flesh would affect your spirit. How does God contact, how does God contact, lead and guide you? How? According to Proverbs 20, 27, this is what God says. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, in other words, God will contact, lead, guide, and train and instruct you through your spirit because that is the lamp he uses. Romans 8, 16 confirms this by saying this. Go trot on over there to Romans 8, uh, 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, (laughs) Father God, thank you for your grace. God's Spirit does not bear witness with your flesh or with your soul. It bears witness with your spirit. God trains and teaches us by His Word because His Word was designed for our spirits. As Jesus says in John 6:63, 6, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He means that the words he speaks are addressed to your spirit, not to your flesh, your mind or your soul. This is because God is the father of spirits and he uses his word to train your spirit. Okay. now let's look at uh, James 1 and 12. We are told this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, that would sound sick if you if you did not understand what was happening. Why would a man be blessed if he endured temptation? Just as we learned about chastening, the Greek word translated here as endure does not mean what you may think it means. In English, endure means to sit quietly and put up with something. Now, an example of this would be if you broke a broke a tooth and exposed a nerve. How many of y'all have ever done that? You would have to endure the pain and discomfort uh, you will be experiencing. Now, in other words, put up with it. You will just have to put up with it until the dentist fix your tooth and give you some pain medication. Now in James one let's read it, uh, uh, a, a little more. Endures means something different. Okay. That that's what it means. In James one twelve, the word endure means something different. The word in that verse means you go through a, a situation, stand right in the midst of it. And are victorious over it. You you come out better after it is over than you were before it started. Okay. Now let's look at James um, <clears throat> uh, chapter one, twelve and 17. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, oh my God, we are getting ready to go there, honey. Oh, we are getting ready to blow those false teachers right out of the water. Listen, listen, people. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away By his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Oh, thank you, James. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his word. Sisters and brothers, you do not have to suffer. God provides a way out and he is not the tempter. He does not try, tempt, or test you. Satan does. He is telling you right here. And I want to read it again. I got tears coming to my I want Because you need to get this. This is James chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Blessed is the man who endures temptation... For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variation of shadow of turning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. All of this is tied in with temptation. Notice that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Temptations, trials, and tests are not good, and they are not perfect. Sickness and disease are not good, and they are not perfect. Sin is not good, and it is not perfect. Therefore, none of these things comes from God. None of them, sisters and brothers. Every good gift comes down from God, from heaven. If every good gift comes down, every bad gift comes up from the pit because up is the opposite of down. God is sending down the good things. So Satan is sending up the bad things. We got to know the difference, people. You have to distinguish between the two. Temptations, trials and tests are bad because they ravage your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost or either the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God will not create any condition that will have a negative effect on your body. This includes tumors and other malfunctions inside your body. Okay. Especially ones that force the doctor to operate and and perhaps take out some organs to keep you alive. My God, God doesn't do that people. Oh my God. If God were the cause of those malfunctions, he would be destroying his own temple. That would not make sense. will it? That doesn't make sense to me. Does that make sense to you? God wants your body intact. Every organ in place, every limb and, and, and member functioning as he designed it to operate. Because your body is the place in which he dwells. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That is where he resides, people. The chastening of the Lord is never bad, and it does not destroy or ravage you. It blesses you. You gain from it because you learn how to win in life. For this reason, you should not resent. You shouldn't resent it when, when our Heavenly Father tries to teach you. Rather, you should welcome it because all you would do is succeed when you apply what you learn from God. Once you make that application, you will love being chastened by the Lord. Oh, it's a blessing to be chastened by his word. Feed your spirit, man, the word of God. Oh, it feels so good. You will look forward to his instruction. And no matter what the enemy throws at you, if you remain true to God's teachings and his word, you will always come out of the situation better than you were before you started. You will always walk in his victory. Now stand by for my commentary and my closing remarks. Okay, saints, I want to get right into this. There is no scripture that proves or clearly states that God chastens us with punishment that consists of sickness, disease, trials, or tribulations. The scriptures clearly says that God doesn't try us, tempt, or test us. God cannot tempt us with evil. God is the one who provides our way of escape so we won't suffer. We serve a loving and caring God who would never do anything to hurt his children. God never chose the wilderness for the children of Israel. They put themselves there by walking by sight rather than trusting and taking God at his word. We have nothing to lose by trusting God, but everything to gain. So if you are sick, trust God with and for your healing. Never accuse God for putting sickness or any negative things on you. He is your deliverer. Don't confuse God's actions with the work of the devil. Don't fall into the same trap the children of Israel did. They chose to listen to their leaders instead of listening to God's messenger, which was Moses who told them the truth. The children of Israel perished in the wilderness with the leaders who doubted God. Don't believe everything you hear from the pulpit. Compare what you hear with the scriptures follow and believe those ministries and teachers who rightly divide the word of truth. Now I want to share this last scripture with you. Go to Romans chapter 2 verse 3 and 4. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It is God's goodness, my sisters and brothers, that leads you to change, not punishment. I have one question for you. Whose report will you believe, God's or the ignorant pastor or teacher in the pulpit? you were blessed by this message, How God Chastens His Children. I surely was. If you have any questions or comments about this series or any past episodes, please send your questions or comments to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to show your financial support for this podcast, please sow your seed into this good ground. We teach the truth and that's good ground, saints, go to my Anchor, Spotify, or Breaker home pages. click on the support this podcast button and contribute an amount of your choice. I am taking two weeks off, saints. I have business to take care of and some speaking engagements to fulfill. I will return on September the 1st with more powerful messages from the Lord. Yes, I will miss you guys too. Now, until next time, saints, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.